Hello, welcome to the Design for a Living podcast with Chelsea Coriel. On this week's episode, I'm going to be talking about the things I look for when hiring a designer. So this week has been pretty crazy. Uh, we have one designer leaving to go work uh, at an architectural firm in more of a commercial uh, position, which is great. Good luck to Kurt. We're going to miss him. And uh, you know that Stephanie is moving to Hawaii or moving to Las Vegas. The Stephanie's my designer from Hawaii and um, that's wonderful for her. She gets to see her family, but it's leaving me in the lurch. Now I have these positions open for a designer and it's right when our business is ramping up. It's right when we're getting, uh, I mean, the designers already are, are stretched so thin and they're telling me, please don't give me another client. David said, I don't want to take on Kurt's clients. Can we play that? <laughs> this is a terrible problem for me to have. I'm getting more clients and yet my designers are too overwhelmed and don't have the time to work with them. So I know that I need to hire two pretty quickly. And so I thought I would talk about what the process is that I go through when I'm looking at resumes and when I'm uh, interviewing, because I know a lot of you, you know, you're just starting out and you might be thinking about applying at a, a position like my store where you get the freedom of be a designer and the creativity, um, but you have a little more stability, a little more uh, of a guaranteed income rather than having your own design business. And I want to start with, uh, when I look at resumes, people don't have to have a degree. They don't. I have a design degree. And if you have one, that's wonderful. I'm, I'm always a proponent of education. But you don't have to have a degree to be a successful designer. Now, you're going to have to have training. You're going to have to have uh, experience, um, some knowledge. You're going to have to, to learn but that doesn't mean that you have to have a traditional four-year degree. And I know I get pushed back on that a lot, but if you're going to get a degree, get it in business, <laughs> get it in marketing, get it in something, something else other than design. Design you can do with just your natural talent. So when I look at resumes and I've gotten, let's see, I posted on Indeed and I posted on Craigslist um, two days ago and now I'm going to do ZipRecruiter and Facebook. So if you are looking for those jobs, you know, look at your typical places. Um, I've also had some people reach out and, and give me some other ideas about job boards. One was a local um, job board for college graduates in the area, which is a great idea. Thank you so much for that idea. Uh, so I plan on posting it there. And I try to be as descriptive as I can in my post because you want to weed out a lot of um, people who aren't qualified. When I ask for an interior designer, especially here in Seattle, I get a lot of responses for um, just anything with the word design in it. I get a lot of software design, um, you know, graphic design. The I usually get about half of the resumes have nothing to do with an interior designer. <laughs> so that's a little disheartening, but we cut those out, right? And then I look at the people that do have design experience right out of the gate. And I compare it to that job post that I did. Did they really read the post? Do they have the kind of qualifications that I'm looking for? So when did I talk about you have to be a good team player? Because you know that's important to me. we got to work together. 
we solve problems together. We work on projects together. So you have to be a good team player. You have to be able to think on your feet. There are a million different scenarios when you're working with a client and they'll throw something at you um, like, you know, I can't have anything in the house that's white. I can't have anything that's um, collect dust because my children have allergies. Um, you know, it, it just goes on and on and on. So if you're not able to think on your feet, if you're not able to solve problems immediately, you know, you might've done your entire design based on a white theme and the person just throws it at you. Oh no, didn't I tell you that my husband hates anything white? You have to be able to pivot. No problem. We can keep the base pieces the same. The floor plans the same. We'll just add color. If you can't think on your feet, this isn't the job for you. Then I ask for, um, yes, you have to be able to put together a design, right? But it's such a small part. So I do say you have to create beautiful interiors for clients, but more importantly, you need to be able to take the project from beginning to end. You need to meet with the client, get the, the project, get them to hire you, create the design, but also be able to create the paperwork, create the, you know, the pick list, create the POs, the invoices, and then do the installation. So you have to be the kind of person that can take it from beginning to end. And I have had a lot of designers work for me that in the interview, it doesn't come out, right? They're very personable up front, but you realize after working with them, they're really good at the initial part, or they're really good at just the design part, but they aren't good at the entire process. They're not good at follow through. They're not good at checking on their clients and, and calling them. They're not good at um, tracking their orders and there's so many little details that go into this career. You have to be able to see a project through and, and to really own it. You know, you have to take ownership of this project and not blame people and not rely on other people and say, well, no one told me that that was backordered. <laughs> your client, your project, you're the only one that knows what, it, you know, what went into it and what's important. You have to be able to check on it. You have to be self-reliant. So that's really important. As a designer, doesn't matter if you're independent or working for a big company or, or, you know, an Ethan Allen or you have to own this project because that client trusted you. The client bought you, not the store, right? You've made that connection. So that's really important. Obviously, there's the general things like you need to have a working car because as a designer, you drive to people's homes. Uh, you have to have a basic grasp of math and be able to figure out yardage, to be able to figure out the square footage of a floor, how much flooring to buy, um, you know, wallpaper, things like that. It's not a uh, make or break because we have calculators, you can Google things, and we all, again, work as a team. But you have to have some basic skills. So I usually require at least a high school diploma. Um, I say some college is, is preferable, but not necessary, right? So... I figure with that, they've got those basic skills. We're not talking, you know, long division. We're really talking multiplication. <laughs> um, the other thing that I think is really important, and this is something that I, I do list out, and, you know, these are the strengths. It's an ability to communicate with clients and with your team um, in a clear and precise manner. And that's one of those things that, you know, you can see it on every job description, you know, ability to communicate, ability to follow through. But I really go into detail. 
when it comes to design, these are emotional situations and you've already built the trust with the client. So again, it's, it's part follow through, but it's really just being able to communicate. Um, sometimes you have to, to soothe someone that's upset because something's backordered. Sometimes you have to, you know, really be gentle and kind, um, letting them know that the furniture that they want and they insisted on, it's just not going to fit or it's not in their budget or they're not going to be happy with it because, you know, it is white and they have three young boys and two dogs. So an ability to communicate to me means that you can read a room, you can read a situation and you can give the information that's needed in the right, in the appropriate way. Sometimes you need to be firm Say, you know, I know you guys want to do this, you know, by Christmas, but it's really not feasible. Let me show you what we can do by Christmas. And, and, you know, this is going to be what we do now. And then we have a plan B for the, for the spring, but you have to be kind of tough, right? You have to stand up and be confident. So that's one type of communication. And again, like I said, other times it could be, Hi, Mrs. Smith. I know you're really excited for that wallpaper, but it looks like we're pushed back another two weeks. You know, thank you for being so patient. I really appreciate, um, you know, your understanding that we've got shipping issues and I'm going to stay on top of it and I will let you know as soon as possible. But see, that's a type of communication that not everyone is good at. So in all of these things that I talk about, right, this is what I've put in my job description. I'm hoping you can reverse engineer this when you go to an interview. So I get these resumes and I I know I'm jumping around a little, but um, it'll all make sense in the end. So I get, I get the resumes. And again, I start with the beginning, what kind of education, you know, if they have some design experience, if they have excellent, there's one thing I don't have to to coach on. Hopefully Um, if they have sales experience, whether you're at my store or not, um, being able to sell your designs. I talk about that a lot, how important that is. You can be a great designer, but if you can't communicate that to your clients and again, persuade them that your design is the right design, that's sales. So anyone that has sales experience, right there, they've jumped up. Like that's another check in the box. They've made it past another gate (laughs) in my reading of the resumes. Um, perfect example is Suzanne. Suzanne had never technically been an interior designer. She had never technically sold furniture, but she was in sales her whole life. She sold, um, women's clothing, fashion. She worked at coach. She managed. So that means to me that she understands the sales process, that she's probably learned a corporate sales, um, training program. Then she sold spas, and, you know, not just little cheap hot tubs that you see at a, a, you know, at a home show. She sold luxury spas and saunas um, here at a beautiful oasis kind of a place in Seattle. But to me, that said, you know, she was there for more than 10 years. That said, she knows how to communicate to a customer the importance of buying this luxurious, you know, an item that not everyone needs to have, but it would be wonderful if they could. And it brings health and it's, you know, all of these things, but she had to convince people to part with $10,000 for something that isn't technically necessary. Right. So that told me a lot. 
that's it. She, she's got sales down. She must understand how to convey um, price points and value and, you know, a luxury item, but, uh, you know, all of the great things about it and why that will bring joy to their life. And if you can successfully sell high-end spas for 10 years, then you can sell a $5,000 sofa <laughs> because it's just better. And of course, it'll bring joy to their life. So th- again, those are things that I look for. Um, you know, David, I saw his resume and at the top, no design school, but he had been um, a hairstylist and not just anywhere. He was a master of Veda colorist and the um, highest paid stylist at his salon. And they were these beautiful, exclusive salons here in Seattle. So again, that told me he he has, he's accustomed to working with high-end clients. He's accustomed to listening and giving people what they want, um, whether he liked it or not. And, you know, he was used to kind of steering people to the way that would look best on their face. So even though it's not interior design, that was such a great skill. And I knew right off the bat, like, you know, that's going to translate to our industry. It also helped that he worked at Pottery Barn for a little while and did some um, some design and some of their floor merchandising. But but for the most part, even that hairstylist that that spoke to me, and I realized, okay, this this transitions into our industry because it isn't just being able to put a room together. Like I say it all the time, you have to have these other skills of being able to connect to a client and put their mind at ease, right, and to get them to trust you. All of that would be the same with a high end hairstylist. And it's great that he does our hair when we're uh, at lunch. It's wonderful. Uh, So you see, so as I'm going through these resumes, I'm reading between the lines and I'm trying to assess what type of person this is, what type of employee they'd be. I can teach them how to be a designer if they have these other skills locked in. I've almost had a harder time with people who have the design degree and think they know what a designer is and I can't seem to get that out of them. They don't care about the client. They don't seem to care about um, the process. They just think, well, I created a design. They should love it. Why aren't they buying it? <laughs> There's a million steps they've missed in the middle. My best advice, again, it doesn't matter what specific experience you've had. If you can find the value in it and how it would benefit a design firm, what is it about your old job? I mean, this might be a completely new career for you, but what is it about your old job that you think would make you a great designer and a great, um, you know, part of their team? And I usually find that out in the cover letter. It drives me nuts when I see people... um, They'll send a resume and there's nothing about design. And then at the bottom I see maybe they've taken uh, some community college courses in interior design. So clearly they like interior design, but but nowhere else says that. You know, it, it could be I've seen veterinarian technicians. I've seen, uh, you know, there, there's a <laughs> so many different positions that people have had. And they might love interior design. It could be a huge hobby. They've done their mom's house. They've done their friend's houses. They're addicted to HGTV. They know everything about design, but they haven't told me that. They're relying on their resume to speak for them, and not every resume does. So this is my best advice from wherever you're starting from. 
if you love interior design like we talk about, you could always take a small course. I happen to know one. Um, to teach you more about being a designer. That's always a big help. But if you really feel like you're ready and that you could step into a design position, it could be at a place like Ethan Allen or Pottery Barn, someplace that trains you. So that's great. It's a great first step. But write a nice cover letter. Write it professionally and look at your experience and pull out the parts that I've talked about. Say, you know, my time as wait staff really taught me how to listen to my customers and care about customer service and remember their orders and follow through and make sure that, you know, I've made them happy from the moment they sit down to the, you know, time that they're paying the check. If you can express that, see, I would look at that and say, oh, okay, they get it. They understand. They understand what a designer is. They understand what a designer does. And they're telling me the skills that they have that would translate into a great designer. So look at your resume. Look at the skills you've had. Anything. And it could be You've worked on your your parents' home. You've worked, you could just say, designed this residence, you know, here's a reference, um, you know, whatever it is. You could have pictures from your own home, but you've designed it beautifully. And you really, you have to have it at, at that level of a professional designer. But you take pictures, you've got that ready at your interview so that you can show, this is my portfolio. It doesn't have to be houses you've done and been paid for. I don't care about that. But I care about your taste, the style, your professionalism, and all of those other things we talk about. You know, the ability to listen, the ability to to care about people and want to please them and understand that this is an emotional business and we take that seriously. So go out there. Everyone's hiring right now. If you live in the Seattle area, (laughs) come talk to me. Um, but it is a great time to be a designer. There's so much work for everyone. So maybe some of you have changed your mind. COVID's really made you think about life and you decide that design is my passion. I've got to do it. Well, take it seriously. Write a beautiful cover letter. Tell them your skills. Sell yourself to this new employer. Let them know why you'd make a great designer. And then tell me about it. I want to hear. I want to hear more stories. Um, I've had a great time this week. I've had two coaching calls with some designers. Uh, One, Vanessa in Zurich. Very fancy. Absolutely knocked her presentation out of the park. Now, if I were to hire Vanessa, right, she has design experience and um, schooling. But she works at an art gallery, which she said she's not necessarily happy with these days because it's too much work for little recognition and respect and she really wants to get out there and have her own design business. So she did her final presentation with me and I'm telling you, spectacular. She listened. She did, um, it was a beautiful, and I'll, I'll share it. I'll give it to Ilya. I promise that you can put it at the end of this and I hope Vanessa, if you don't mind, but she did a beautiful mood board and she said, of course, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't happy with it. I didn't, I said, no, 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 no. It was perfect because it clearly showed she listened to the client and it was clearly laid out and easy to follow. And she walked me through it and she paused and she asked questions and how do you feel about this? And she told me every single piece why she chose it. I chose this light color for your sofa, but I understand you have grandkids. Don't worry. It's a performance fabric. It's really easy to clean. And, you know, she stepped through it exactly the way I had taught her in the course. So 
that was really fantastic. And it was fun just to get to talk to someone. Again, I love hearing from you guys and hearing about your stories and your journey and everything you're going through, um, trying to get to this place, right, where you get to be an interior designer and live out that dream. So keep sharing with me. Uh, I'm excited to hear from it and uh, from you. So like, comment, write to me. We'll answer you back. Thank you, everyone, and happy designing. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Design for a Living with Chelsea Coriel. Our episodes will be dropping on Sunday, so stay tuned. We are on Google Podcasts and Spotify, so stay tuned for that and follow along. Thanks so much for being with us. Find us online at designforaliving.com. Visit us on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and House at Design for a Living. If you'd like to submit a question or request a topic, email us at chelsea at designforaliving.com. That's C-H-E-L-S-E-A at designforaliving.com.